welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community, with or without firefighting. This is episode 47. Hey, Troy, how are you doing? Hey, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You always have to blend that offline and online conversation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I'm going to forget the fire for the moment. <laughs> So we've had such three three great shows. Uh, we had service-based costing, then we moved right into big data for the service desk, which was wildly fun for me and, and Troy both, I think. Uh, and I said to Troy, I think it was Troy, it was like two or three weeks ago, I said, can we do a show where we just talk about like like the regular, like how would you just start a help desk? Or And then you said, sure. And then we kind of turned it into uh, what it takes to do service desks. So... Let's, let's, if we can play around with both ideas, you think maybe, like, you know, just kind of 101. Cause I think some small businesses, you know, even if you've got four employees, you have a need for some type of support system and some type of, you know, make tracking of tasks and things like that. But I guess we can, let's get started with the difference between a service desk and a help desk. To help us do that today, we have a return visitor. I think number two or number three, Mr. Gary Case. How are you doing, Gary? I am doing fine, Chris. Thank you so much. Glad to be back. It's always a pleasure to have you. I, uh, enjoy uh, your answers. They're very, very clean. When you said you want to talk about service desk, I said we have to get Gary back on because he's that's uh, his alma mater. Basically, it's, he cut his teeth in the service desk world and there's a couple books to his name in that regard. So he's our guy when it comes to service desk. Gary, can we start with you know help desk versus service desk? So is there is there ever a time when it's appropriate to have a help desk, or is the concept of help desk just not even in the marketplace anymore? Well, there's could always be a, a market for that. You know, the way I always like to ca- try to define what the difference is is. Typically, a help desk, they grew up in just providing more or less technical supports or dealing with more incidents and stuff like that, where there was a failure, somebody couldn't get something done, um, and so they would then go on ahead and call this number, and uh, they would have someone who would hopefully answer the phone and provide them some technical support. And so, you know, help desks have been around for a very, very long period of time just to provide that support. And then the needs have continued to grow for this uh, technical help desk to start expanding into delivering additional services. Mm. And a lot of that came into play when more and more processes were actually defined as a part of the ITIL framework, such as request fulfillment and release and deployment and access management and Uh, You know, so now you're finding that uh, organizations are saying, well, we should be doing much more than just providing technical support. We should be adding these other services in, therefore, the venture into the service desk world. For the time being, let's for this show, let's pretend that an organization is only going to provide technical support. It's just it's it's, there's no extra services. We're not going to venture out into the other parts of. Uh, service management. We're just getting just a, a, a straightforward 101 service desk up either from scratch, like a brand mm-hmm. new, like, you know, we've kind of had this loose conglomeration of supporting each other for, you know, a year and we're kind of codifying, unify this. Or I think another uh, maybe real life scenario is, and I'm, maybe you've seen this at, in your travels, Gary, is 
we've had a service desk for years and years and years, and we just kind of want to start over. Sure. Yeah. Or validate what you've done. Oftentimes, yeah. as when I've spoken at conferences or done consulting work around it, sometimes that's all they want to do is validate are we on the right track. And I'd like to talk about the relevance of your earlier comment that, you know, why not go back to the beginning here? Because the reality is a lot of organizations are still struggling with basic tennis, basic block and tackling activities. Like they really haven't moved very far into this concept of service management. Uh, they're they're basically still doing incident problem and change, and that's as far as they can get. So help desk, basic support, which is a key element of any organization, any service organization, is is very relevant for the good part of the people we work with anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And I think conceptually that whether you are saying we only want to focus on a, a technical help desk or we want to move into a, a service desk concept or model, that the approach of how you get there is pretty much the same. It's going to be at what level of detail that you actually start doing things. And that's what we can talk about is, you know, what are the key steps to say, okay, we've got this idea to do it and let's do it. Let me put a scenario in front of you and we'll go from there. Sure. Yep. And I know we can't do this all in, in one session of practitioner radio, but, you know, maybe we'll we'll have a regular quarterly, let's go back to the help desk we created. So I've got a company. I've got about 300 people that all work uh, in one office. I got no report people, uh, some developers, some coders and stuff. And up until now, we've just kind of been helping each other out. If someone needed a computer where they just charged it and they bought it and they brought it in. And it, we don't really pay attention or track anything. And we've I don't have any dedicated people, although we've got two guys that kind of do most of the Help. You know, it's not kind of their full time job. They were hired to do a little bit of coding and a little bit of help out with marketing. You know, it's pretty small, but we're growing really quick. So we project to be at about a thousand people in less than the next twelve months. How do? How can we even start thinking about? putting a service desk or service desk service in here? Well, to me, I mean, the first thing, the steps that you want to go through is start having a discussion around what do you want to accomplish with your service desk? You know, so in other words, you want Mm -hmm. to define what are your strategies, goals, and objectives that you want to get there. And a key aspect of what you just defined there is to create a single point of contact and create consistency across how we engage with our end users and customers that are out there. And another part of that is also how do we start logging and tracking what we have uh, coming in simply because that is all data that we need to turn into information that ultimately ends up into management reporting and that allows us to help with better uh, you know, strategic, tactical, and operational decisions. But you got to define what you want to be to start with and what does that long-term vision really look like. So look, that's a scary concept for me as a because my company's you know it's only been around two years. Yep. How long of a long term vision do I need to think about? Well, I don't think you need to necessarily go into you know a, a three to five year vision. What do you want to okay. accomplish in the next twelve months? Even okay, I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you may think long term, but you implement short term because you want to have wins. And it's really saying okay, what are the key things that we want to put in place so we can actually start showing that we're improving and delivering value. 
so the first thing is we, 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 we've kind of decided what we want to get out of creating this service desk. And yep. we've kind of said this is the time frame we're going to kind of look for outcomes. Mm-hmm. You've named a bunch of other stuff, uh, moving forward. Troy, are we on a, on a, on a good pace so far? I know you're watching, uh, you're watching us run around the track here. Yes, you are. But I think you can actually simplify the initial goals pretty easily. And I think we overthink this a bit too much. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm taking, take it easy. Mom and pop here. The first thing is coming up with a single point of contact. We can't, really overemphasize that enough because people spend a lot of time just trying to figure out how to get support who knows what about what right trying to simplify just when you gotta have a request or you need something fixed is one place to go one number to call one email to go that's already a huge improvement over many organizations which are really you know been around a long time i mean how many times gary do we go into organizations that should be better than this but their support model is totally fragmented. Absolutely. There's really no clarity about where to go for what. I mean, I've I've been to places where there's so many ways to get support. There's a there's a service desk to call when you don't know what service desk to call. Yep. Now, now where in what universe does that make any logical sense? All right. So this concept of just single point of contact is not, I think, focused on enough by most organizations. Yeah, I would agree. And then once you do have a single point of contact, it's ensuring people use that single point. Because, you know, Troy, we still run into organizations where there's a large percentage of the people that bypass the service desk and still call second and third level. So it sounds it sounds like to me, if we're starting our service desk, the concept of single point of contact is really important. And then, uh, Gary, to your point, I think you're saying, you know, how do you make sure that people use that now? You know, we could get into communications and stuff like that, but that does bring up the concept of channels, right? I was going to say credibility and, com- and compelling single point of contact is going to be important, but uh, yeah. go ahead with your channel conversation. Well, no, we can go down the credibility uh, thing. I mean, because, you know, again, if we have a service desk and we're restarting it over or we're rebooting it or we're just today starting, because I think a lot of people walked into their service management careers who are on service desks or and they walked into something already established. And I don't think very many people got to create something from scratch. Right. So let's talk about those two words. What would a credible service desk be, Gary, in your mind? Well, to me, it's going to deliver value. And by that, I mean it's more than where many help desks originated from and service desks, even some cases where it's basically call screening and dispatch. Because if you're not actually delivering some value by being able to resolve a certain percentage of incidents on that first contact by the service desk and all you're doing is sending it out to where they've been calling anywhere, there's no value. So that's that credibility that you talk about. So that gets into, you know, having some level of experience and knowledge and abilities to actually not only respond to your user's need, but fulfill that request or, you know, resolve that incident to get the customer up and running again. And I think credibility is that your knowledge component is knowing who who supports what. So if it comes in the front door, do they know what the next step is? And do they have that path defined? Yeah. All right. So we've kind of said we got our short-term vision here about, and we know that we want to create some value. We've we've decided that it has to be, or it's, it's probably good to be a single point of contact. And we're kind of at the point now where if something comes in, we need to know the knowledge of where to get it to so that we can keep our credibility and build it up. And then compelling, because you can be credible, but not very compelling. So what do you think I mean by that? Uh, practitioner radio. So, um, <laughs> so sorry, that's bad. Come on. Every now and then I slip. I'm human. Uh, credible, but not compelling. Um, I mean, to me, there would have to be a reason that I had to call the service desk over using any other method I found. Or you would prefer to. Yeah, and, and I would. And I know there are actually, 
I use Simple, simple simple.com. It's a banking service. Um, And I actually look forward to having problems because I love talking to their support people. I know that's crazy. Is that compelling? Yeah. Well, tell me why that's compelling. Well, first, I love the mechanism they have because it's an app on my phone, right? So there's no there's no bank for me to go to. And then I launch the app and I talk with someone real time and they're right back and they always use my name and they talk a little bit about the last time I called and they talk a little bit about how I'm using the service, uh, the bank simple service. I don't know. They just make me feel like they want to talk to me. I don't know if that's compelling or not, though, but I love it. And, and Chris, it is absolutely because... For people who are on the service desk, I've said this for 20-some years, that it's oftentimes just psychology 101. You need to make your customers feel respected, that you care about them, you treat them you know, with real courtesy that's out there. Those are all things that go a long way. It's not like it's an interruption of their time or anything like that. It's really working for them. And you know, I often used to say that you back before ITIL was even there and everything was called a problem, that you got to fix the customer before you fix their problem. Because I Mm -hmm. think that is so true to make them feel like I want to call back. Mm -hmm. And I think another point about the help desk service desk and the compelling concept is, let's face it, technical geeks have a bit of a rep, right? Yep. Right. There's this uh, superiority and condescending attitude they have against the user. And that service desk mindset is to say, okay, I'm in the job of service, not I'm, you know, you're bothering me because I got more important technical things to do. Right. So a good example of this, Chris, if, you know, examples are good oftentimes, is I was working doing an assessment with a global uh, provider and they had a follow the sun concept with a service desk in North America, one in Europe and one covering the Asia pack that was down in Australia. And so when I was talking to people, the ones in Australia would actually say, and so would customers in the other areas, that they would wait until the Australia service desk came online before they would call (laughs) simply because they got better service from Australia service desk than the others. They were more compelling. Yes, exactly. So we've got a vision for 12 months, a single point of contact, credible and compelling. But there's there's a couple more things about compelling because you can be sweet, but what if you you know it takes you sixty minutes before I can talk to Mister Sweet? Mm. Right, right. So you got to have some kind of time sensitivity or you know responsiveness there because that, if it's not responsive, I'm not waiting. All right. So credible, compelling, and responsive. So now we've got we've got some people. I mean, we've kind of decided we you know in the next twelve months we want to. Uh, accomplish, you know, a single point of contact, and and we're going to define the value of that single point of contact based on these three criteria. Let's just make it really simple. Uh, people enjoy calling the help desk, uh, service desk. People enjoy. Uh, people uh, prefer to uh, contact the service desk over doing things on themselves, and we see uh, less overall chat in the kitchen about how many problems our systems and services have. Those are um, those are the three things we're used to judge value. We've now built some credibility. We've put really uh, strong people on there who are very people-focused, who are compelling, and we're making sure we're responsibly getting back to people. What do we do to, now that we've kind of carved out this very 
light framework, the very light mission for our, our first service desk at this company. What do we do now? Do we do we put these people together? Do we let them work anywhere they want in the office? Do we look at possibly putting in a tool? Do we let them kind of write stuff down on a piece of paper for now? Uh, you know, do we even go into? Do we need one phone number? Do we need a lot of people to contact us anyway? I mean, at what point do we start to consider those things, or or do we have enough now to at least have a couple people and think about naming them a service desk? Well, this is really what comes out of, I talked about strategies, goals, and objectives, Chris, and, uh, you know, the answer is yes to all of those that they need to be done. It's in what order are they going to get done, but, you know, you have to define what kind of structure you want to have for your service desk, where you want them located, you know, you can't do work without some sort of even a high-level process and Mm -hmm. some basic documentation, and then, you know, are you going to record it in a spreadsheet or are you going to record it in a tool? And again, it's when you're just starting off, you don't need, you know, these, uh, you know, huge tools that are out there maybe to support what your initial work is going to be that you're going to have. So those are all things that you have to look at. And also based upon what you're going to be supporting, you got to look also at, you know, staffing considerations such as skill set requirements as well as number of staff required. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, hiring three to four people or using, you know, a couple of people internally. But you brought up uh, uh, the word ab- about, you know, documenting this. And I saw something online the other day, Troy. Someone said, uh, if it's not documented, it's a rumor. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just thought, well, what a fun little saying. If it's not documented, it's a rumor. But based on that, I, I like this idea of early on because, you know, I'm sitting here documenting our conversation and what we should really do. It's probably not a bad idea early on to start documenting everything and how you made those decisions. Well, this is about credibility, right? So when you come back, you expect them to know your name. It's kind of like the Cheers song, you know, where everybody knows your name. They, they, they know what you, what you do, who you are. This is the context from the last show that we talked about relative to your maturity model for um, big data. So we're kind of leveraging up the the three principles of credibility, uh, compelling, and responsiveness in the context of documentation of systems recording scenarios and what happened. That's building credibility. I just I, I get I get fearful now that my you know my company is going to be the thousand people here within the next twelve months. You know because we're doubling every three months. That it's going to take longer to plan and build the service tenants than it would to actually start actually delivering services. How can I deal with that fear, or, or am I just am I suffering from analysis paralysis right now? Well, I think you always have the question of how do we go, and I always talk about are there some quick wins, you know, incremental improvements that you can put in place. So again, you can have this longer term vision and goal of what you want to do, and then have some milestones that are associated of tasks that you want to accomplish and it should all be in the ability to you know deliver some level of value to say I'm better today than I was a month ago I'm better you know two months than I am uh, a few in the future than I am now and so you know you can over engineer things when you're first starting off and that's always my big concern and sometimes they want to step back and say well we have to have everything in place before we go live with our service desk. And I think that's also a mistake and a risk 
So look at things from a quick win and you can usually find some quick wins or incremental improvements in, in your process and in a tool or in people and uh, even in some basic reporting. So we don't have to, we don't have to roll out telephone, chat, web, app. We don't have to roll out 800 forms of contact the first month. Not initially, no, I don't think so. I mean, again, you have to understand your customers. The key to me that I, when I talk about a service desk or I talk about anything is make it simple for your customers to do business with you. Nice. Don't hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't don't hide in obscurity. I was talking with a colleague the other day, and she was trying to write a blog, or she was writing a blog on, on the service desk or starting a service desk. And I said, you know, for the longest time, when I worked for Front Range back in the 90s and then got on my own in the 2000s, I ran a heat system at home. And whenever my parents or friends or anybody needed something, I'd just tell them to email me and I would put it through the system. And that's how I kept track of what they wanted. And it kind of got me under this concept. If I was building a help desk today, I would literally say, you know, if you're building a really solid help desk, it should look like something that your family would want to interact with. Going back to the simplicity concept, right? Everyone's got a phone number they can, they can, they can publish. Everyone has an email address that you can ask them to send things to, your example. Yeah. Uh, they know where you live or they should. So if they wanted to drive up and, you know, bring their computer with them, they can do a drop in, right? So if you can at least publish those three kind of things, and let people know what, how to get access to you and when to get access to you and what your responsiveness is going to be, you know, what they can expect. You're making a huge headway already because I think we overcomplicate things. I think we pretend to overcomplicate things so that we can obscure support. All right, so we've, we've got a small help desk for starting. We've got a, a, a light vision for the next 12 months. We know that we want to bring value to the people who contact the help desk. We've said these are some milestones we're going to look at once a month, and it's very small little things we're going to try to look at. We want a single point of contact for people. We want to seem credible uh, to our customers, and that involves maybe documenting things and getting some very simple, uh, very easy to go processes. We want to make sure that we're compelling. There's a reason to want to, to, to be with us. And, 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 and in that, we want to be responsive to people. We want to be simple for, make it simple for our customers to do business with us. And we want to publish how to access us and some expectations, which goes back to our responsiveness. Are we on the same page so far? Absolutely. I think so. Good. I think, and this is not rocket science, right? Mm -hmm. This is within anyone's capability. That's why I'm taking notes, because I just want a step-by-step -step list at the end of the show uh, on some simple things we can think about, because I do, I overthink it. So we've got some nice ways, and I like I like these concepts, Gary and Troy. I like, you know, Troy, how you, you said, you know, publish how to access you. Everyone's got these things. We've got some lightweight documents on um, uh, process, and that can be just if a call comes in about this, this is who you route it to, back to Gary's credibility and his document and his processing thing. And we've got some very simple milestones, you know, uh, for the, the first year. Can we talk about in our simple model some simple milestones we might want to look at? Can we go one place more before we go on? Yep, I'll add it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to add one more simple characteristic. Okay. Advocacy. So what customers need is a, an advocate. So when they come in through the service desk, this published concept that we have out there, and we haven't been able to help them, but we, you know, we have moved it on because of our credibility. We know how to get support. We have to now advocate for that customer and, and own that experience with them. 
they can't just say, okay, go talk to my cousin Vinny. Uh, good luck with that. So I'm going to throw that advocacy under the compelling section. Yeah, I think so. Because I think for compelling, we want to be an advocate for the customer. We want to be responsive and we want to make it easy and simple for them to do business with us. Absolutely. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to build a help us one-on-one flowchart on the on the practitioner radio. Uh, but it will be in the show notes that you can get at Troy's blog or over at ServiceFair or anywhere, really. Sounds like a conference presentation in the making, Gary. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll send you the notes. Right, so uh, what are some milestones, Gary? Because I, I love this because I think I could take this to someone and do this. I, I feel yeah. like I'm enabled, I'm empowered, and I'm admired with all the perfection in my head. What are some milestones in our little simple view here? I think one of the milestones initially is, and this kind of goes with some of the things we've talked about, we've never actually used the word so, is you got to define what you do. So that's kind of defining what your services are to start with. Mm. And, and I think that's otherwise it's a free-for-all that everybody thinks you do everything and that's where we have bad expectations. We overpromise, underdeliver, and so just defining some basic things around the services, your availability of your services, timelines. Like Troy said, we're open from you know eight to five, or you know whatever that is there. Um, but I think that's one of the things. And then I think you have to go on ahead and then start thinking about what is going to be your structure that you want to put in place. So, you know, because this would do, you know, do you want the single phone number? Do you want to go on ahead and have, you know, the two people setting in, you know, side by side? And then, you know, part of your structure then is, okay, well, if we can't do anything over the phone and we got to send someone to our, to the desk side, how does that work? And again, that contact list that was mentioned up front you know, can be one of those milestone areas also just to get an understanding of who do I send this, uh, you know, when these requests and incidents come in, who do they go to? You know, I think you have longer milestones that you look at uh, defining your, again, I'll say high level process. We don't want to over engineer anything to start with, but, you know, what is your process when you answer the phone and, you know, to go through until you restore service and, uh, you know, not necessarily real detail, but just at a high level. And then I think also then you have the whole technology piece, which is a little bit maybe more challenging for people. And uh, I'm not saying this is right up front, but you need to start thinking about, okay, how do I record what I'm doing? Because we have to be able to justify and validate what we're doing, but also show that we're delivering value And so you need some way to start tracking the work that you're doing. To that point, one of the first projects when I was a a junior pinker way back in the day of uh, 16 years ago, they put me on in an insurance organization that had no service desk. They gave gave me a cubicle, a desk and said, answer calls. I had no nothing. Uh, So I created a spreadsheet with some basic, you know, name, location, what's the issue and what's the status. So I could at least track about you know, who's called and is it open? Is it closed? Is it pending? That worked. And I was able to do stuff with that, even do some reporting. Mm -hmm. It was just an Excel spreadsheet I created in 20 minutes. Absolutely. You don't need to over-engineer things when you're just starting off. All right. I think I've got this now. So we've got a simple service test and we're starting out with a, a vision for the service test for 12 months. We've got some milestones that we're putting over those 12 months. We know that we wanted to deliver value is, is one of the things in our vision. We, did, we could talk about other things in our vision. In that milestones, we want to really think about 
when we're setting up these milestones, what services do we provide? I mean, we don't have to do all of them, right? We just think about the few that we do do. The process, and then what processes are do we have wrapped around these services? And then we want to start to think a little bit in our milestones about the technologies that can assist us. We, For contact, we want a single point, and we want to make it easy for people to do it. For credibility, we want to document our processes and things, and we want to say, we want to do the things we say we do, which goes back to our milestones that we can measure in our value. Uh, and then compelling, we want to be an advocate for the customer, we want to be responsive, and we want to make it simple, which goes back to our credibility and contact. So these things are all starting to come together as one unified vision. And we want to publish how people get a hold of us uh, as far and so we can measure our responsiveness. So what Gary said about services covers both credibility and compelling. Yeah, I do see contact, credibility, and compelling, the three Cs. They seem a lot of our stuff is starting to slip into those places. Yeah, because let's let's say that managing expectations is a key point of being a compelling provider, right? Because if if you have expectations of me, I cannot meet. I'll never be compelling to to you, Chris. Right, so I've got to be pretty clear about what I do and what I don't do. So if I'm not covering ordering pizza for office parties, then I should define that. <laughs> you know, here's what I do do, and everything out of that is something we have to kind of discuss. And that services discussion will always mature and should mature and should always be revisited uh, probably at least on an annual basis because you want to extend and create and improve additional services yep. within the bounds of profitability and or funding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Profitability and funding. Uh, I'm just assuming we've got a blank check to start this thing. That's a, that's a wild assumption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it I may know. be blank. There's nothing on it. <laughs> yeah. and it's actually, and it's worth nothing. Well, I love this. We'll publish these notes and, and these, these, uh, you know, our three C's and getting your service desk started. Uh, in our notes, uh, we'll leave them out there. Gary, as you know, we always have you know crazy weather here on Practitioner Radio. And I'm afraid it's time for Gary's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day. Oh, thank you, Chris. We've talked about really just starting off, you know, a service desk. But in reality, as you go through and you've matured your service desk over time, start keep it simple, deliver value. But over time, please. Look at your service desk as being a part of your strategic initiative as opposed to just simply operational because it really, when it's viewed as a strategic part of the organization, that delivers value because in most cases, a lot of the customers out there, the only visibility they have to IT is the service desk when they talk to them. So always make sure we're working around that. Very nice. Troy? Anything to add? I think that wraps it up very nicely. I'm not going to detract from Gary's Thunderbolt. <laughs> the Gary's Thunderbolts are always very powerful. Thank you, Gary Case. It's such a pleasure to have you back on the show. And and I'm sorry, guys. I'd kind of you know drugged us and pulled us apart like I did. I just I literally I thought you know I might need a job someday doing this kind of thing, and I want to be able to have a list. <laughs> there you go. You got a list now, Chris. <laughs> All right. Everybody, we'll see you in two weeks on Practitioner Radio. And make sure you get out to Pink Forum, which is what when, that's coming up when, Troy? That's coming up in August. And the specific dates are August 12th and 13th. Great. So by the time this show airs, you will already been at Pink Forum. So check out Pink Link and Pink Elephant for the great stuff you missed. And definitely start looking at Pink 14. Have a great day. And we'll talk to everyone in two weeks.